everybody this is Pat Young with Dog Ear Books and today we're going to begin our series of interviews with local authors and we're going to call this series right here right now and since this isn't visual it's W-R-I-T-E so right here right now begins our uh, hopefully long uh, journey with authors with um, one of our local Guys, uh, Eli Craner, uh, who has um, recently written a book called Books Make Brains Taste Bad. And so welcome, Eli. It's oh, nice to have you. Thank you all so much for having me. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you some questions, no particular order, and, and we'll just discuss and, and get your input because I know a lot of people want to be writers or have tried to be writers and they have questions so let's see if we can address some of them um first of all this is kind of an an interesting one uh, a lot of times people make pilgrimages for things that they're interested in have you ever made a literary pilgrimage well i well a place for me that where it all starts is washita baptist university so this isn't like a true like uh it's not like New York City or something for the literary world, but for me, it is kind of Mecca uh, because it's where all my stuff started. And I actually just got back from there this past weekend. I had to go and do a talk with like the creative writing class and do a reading at, at the night. Nice. And um, so it's that's I do that when Don't Know Tough, the short story came out a little bit ago, uh, a couple of years ago. I went and they had me down for that. And they just had me down for brains. So that's kind of like every time something cool happens, they have me. But uh, New York is a place that I have like on a list of places that I would love. Nice. I, I've always yeah. kind of told my wife, because I've never been to New York City, um, that I, I don't want to just buy a ticket. You know, it's like one day I want to go there, you know, like for, exactly. be, for us to be called there, you know. So, oh, yeah. So that's kind of yeah. the goal uh, mixed with the pilgrimage. Absolutely. I think a lot of writers um, want to them, that's that is the mecca. Yeah, yeah. Is New York City. Um, okay, so um, I'm guessing you're a reader. So, what was the first book that made you cry? The first book that made me cry. Um, there's a book called Star Girl by yeah. Jerry Spinelli. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it was the first that made me cry, but like when I think about books that that really get me in my emotions me and my feelings i really think a star girl oh that's cool it's a good story i remember reading it too um when you write uh we'll probably get into a little bit of your process but um do you find that writing energizes you or it exhausts you yeah it, it's definitely a little bit of both but like here's a great story recently um so just as a kind of like a catch up on my stuff like brains has just came out in september and then I kind of hinted at something to you that I'm still not ready to like completely reveal at this point. I, I can't at this point. Mm -hmm. But long story short, um, you know, I've been writing adult novels, uh, literary, suspense, kind of thrillery stuff. And long story short, those are about to find a home. So we're about to be, um, there's an announcement that'll come out and it does involve New York City um, and a publisher Gasp. there. So I, I say all that to say it is really, that's come about in about the past month, um, right on the heels of all this brain stuff. And it couldn't be two separate things. You know I mean? Like y'all, you've heard me read like some of my adult stuff. You Absolutely. Know, and yeah. And so I made a big shift. Like when, when this news came my way, and went back to some of those manuscripts and I've been working and I've been going because 
a book the, the book that found a home the next question those people asked was well what do you have next you know what's coming so mm-hmm. i was working really hard on, on what i already had going and then this past friday i had kind of finished with all that and i just told myself i'm going to take a day off you know like i'm just not going to work uh, the book was i was ready to send it on and i didn't like i didn't and by like after lunch like that day Mm-hmm. I felt so weird. Like, I felt, like, so weird. Like, I ended up, you know, like, <laughs> clawing my way back, you know, like, into the office because I needed, and, and I did. So I guess that kind of goes back to the energizing thing. I mean, I don't know what I would do without it because my my life, you know, football player, football coach, that was from, like, third grade on. That dictated my falls, my off seasons, this really weird kind of stringent training mm-hmm. schedule. And then as soon as I got out of coaching, I went in and was played football and was a coach for 20 years. I got out, which was five years ago, I just dove straight into riding. You know, mm. 5 a.m. in the morning to 7, then my kids get up, I work. When they go down at night, you know, I get in the office from like 8 to 10, like working around it all. Um, and I don't know what I would do. Like, I don't want to just go rake the yard. You know, like, I don't want to just go. So it's like. That I'm, is so, your raking the yard. Yeah, that, that is, is what you do. my mental um, yeah. zen raking of the mind so yes i'd say it's but yes you can do it to a point where you wear yourself out right exactly and uh and we have been with you for most of this journey and 2016 yeah so 2015 was when i was you know cutting my teeth and starting Mm -hmm. going and so yeah, right there at the same time. So, uh, yeah. So, we're, we've been excited. I've always said that you are going to be our John Christian. Yeah, that's the Uh-huh. Hook. All right. Um, so, um, what are some traps have you found with aspiring writers? Are there traps? Yeah, there are. Uh, Ray Bradbury is one of my absolute all-time favorite authors. Fahrenheit 451, The Martian Chronicles, Dandelion Wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had this really great quote that I carried close to my heart in those early days. And it was, you're not a real writer until you've written a million words. Oh, wow. A yeah. million words. Which million you're words. like, ah, a million words. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but it plays off of Malcolm Gladwell, who wrote like Outlier and uh, I can't remember outliers is the one I think I'm thinking of here but he had the 10,000 hour rule so that like you're not a true master of anything you're not a master of the guitar until you've practiced for 10,000 hours and like the difference between people who become professionals and this that they actually have the wherewithal or just the time or you know the lifestyle to set up to where they can put in that amount of time to become you know, truly great in something, mm. and that the, the breaking point there was 10,000 hours. So when I set off into writing, like, I guess this was the old football side of me, I was so, like, logical about it that, like, I didn't really expect anything good to happen until I crossed either a million mm. words or yeah. 10,000 hours. So I was just, like, putting, and, like, it was like a, it was like a, a race to, you know, hit <laughs> that point where so many young authors and writers and aspiring writers that I see, they write, you know, their first story. And it's like 500 words. And they want everybody to read it. And, you know, they think it should be like the best thing ever. You know, and it's only 500 of those million words yeah, that they need yeah, to get before. Yeah. And it's really funny, Pat, when I, I've kept up with it. And right around like 2018, so it was like three years in, was when I hit the million words. Oh, wow. Uh, and right around that time, that short story won that contest, you know, and it was mm-hmm. the first time I'd gotten money, you know, for doing this, what I was doing. <laughs> and then the newspapers, I started picking up a whole bunch of extra newspapers. And so it was kind of like, 
you know, the, it really, like, I don't know how Ray Bradbury came up with the million words or how Malcolm Gladwell come up, came up with 10,000 hours, but there was truth to that. And I think if young writers would take that approach, mm -hmm. like, man, I, I don't need to be forcing anybody, you know, to be swallowing this stuff down because it's a jagged pill if it's not yeah. good. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that, and that's uh, really good advice because, like you said, a lot of times we start out and uh, we work really hard for what we think of as a long period of time, and uh, it really hasn't been, no. and we're not there yet. No. And we don't see that sometimes until down the line quite a way. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we look like, back and we're oh, like, oh, no my word. It's like that kid uh, who just learned to play like the three basic guitar chords. You exactly. know? And they go around and like, -na 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 -na. Exactly. <laughs> Which is, if you're their parents, then you know, like, yeah, you want to love them. And listen Applaud to them, them yeah. But not everybody else. Does. No, no. Um, so writers, well, anybody who is successful in anything, um, there's that issue of ego. Do you feel like a big ego helps or hurts a writer? Oh, I think it's probably 50-50. I think it does help to have confidence because it's such a lonely thing. Like, so for me, it took five years to get, like, so Brains was all done by me. It was independently published. And so nobody said, like, oh, we want this guy. We want to pay him a big advance to do this. But this secret thing I have that's coming in December um, it is more along those lines or it is along those lines and so it will have taken me right at five years and I think in order to make those five years or those million words or those 10,000 hours in silence and in the waiting you got to have two things you got to have some confidence in like what you're doing but you also got people like you and people like um, you know a, a support group of some sort because every time I had something good I would usually bike over here after school and run in the bookstore and I'd say, Pat, Pat, listen, listen, here, we got something, you know, we got yeah, something yeah. going. And, you know, they were all nibbles along the way. Right. So if you're too pessimistic about it, which it's, it's a catch-22 because most writers do have some strain of that, you know, through them. They are introverts. And so you have to be able to pull yourself away. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the best ones, or at least the ones who can, can maintain it, they got to have some sort of confidence. I don't know, ego, I don't know what ego, you know, matters is, but, but confidence, right. you got to have that, yeah. that belief in yourself. I think, I think that's the point, um, believing in yourself, yeah. uh, ego, yeah. if you want to call it that. Um, but, uh, and, and being honest, and when you have your support group, right. having people who will be honest that's, with you. That's huge. And, um, you know, because I know when I read Brains, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, so good. Yep. But you also gave great <laughs> But I did. I had one little thing. <laughs> you didn't like the word friggin'. And it was on, like, every page. And I remember when you said that, you know, Google, or I mean, Microsoft Word has this where you can do, like, a word. Like, yeah. you can search the yeah. word. And there were like 256 instances of the word friggin'. I thought there were yeah, a few. So, I think now there's like three, you know, so yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah. So do you Google yourself? I do Google myself, <laughs> yeah. What do you find out? Um, a lot of football stuff. Yeah, uh -huh. so I think the football stuff um, outweighs the the writing stuff at this point. For a little bit longer. Just a little longer. Okay, so, you know, uh, in... As a writer, you do have to have you within yourself like a, a loan, but you that support group yep. can include other writers. Right. Do you have any um, authors that you're friends with, and do they give you advice? 
Yeah, so this was huge um, because like what you just said, like my mom would read, and this is this is like a super confession, but when I'm in the mode of like drafting, which means like writing a rough draft, like from scratch of a novel, you know, which is going to end up being like 80,000 words, that's a long slog and I do it and I don't miss anything. So when I like, when I start a book, I write 2,000 words a day and I won't stop until it's done. So it usually takes 40 to 50 days, you know, to get one of those manuscripts done in a row. So if it right. falls on Christmas, I wake up in Christmas morning way before the kids and I write, you know, <laughs> if we're at the beach in Pensacola, I sneak away while the kids are napping, you know, and I still make sure I hit those words, which is weird to do, but it is, it's like, but what my, my sneaky thing I do is I always read whatever when I'm in that stage, I read it out loud at night to my mom over the phone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Know, but you know, like she she I guess she gets a kick out of it. She likes hearing me sure. on the phone. But it's a great way for me to kind of feel the words and hear the words. But the thing is, that's what my mom does absolutely best because anything I ever give her to like read of mine, all she ever says. This so is good, honey. Oh. And I like that's know, what mothers do. So yeah, that's what moms do. So yes, beyond mom, you know, there's a local group here. Travis Simpson, who was worked for the Courier for a while, works for River Valley Leader now, yeah. and River yeah. Valley Now. Now he writes novels. He's a great reader, a great friend of mine. Uh, there's a lawyer in. He's now in Dallas, named Mike Sutton, that graduated with me. A guy who graduated high school with me, named John Post. A guy from Clarksville named Josh Wilson, uh, Brandy Easterling. She has come along, and we've started to do some stuff now where we Good. like trade manuscripts and oh, read, nice. you know some stuff. So locally, that group is really great. Uh, and even um, and my wife, my wife is a lot able. She she reads everything, and she's able to not be mom. You know, like she's exactly. able to really give me. And then she has a doctor uh, that she works for. My wife's a nurse practitioner, Dr. Robin Kirby. Um, is a great she's an avid reader and so I, I look really hard like I named those first five names were all dudes and it's I, I find like those three women I'm holding really tight to you know mm -hmm. for the women readership. Mm -hmm. but um, beyond that I have been able and this is something I think all young authors should do I'm going to give you a secret here I have a little bit of a uh, I have probably three guys that are in my wheelhouse that are already in the game they're already with traditional publishers they're writing a book a year they're 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 out you know their books are out everywhere and it's ace atkins mm -hmm. who's a new york times bestseller um writes for the spencer series think they he's got a hbo deal coming out for Ooh. one of his quinn colson novels mm -hmm. a guy named william boyle uh and these guys are both located in oxford so that's kind of how the mm -hmm. connection came and then andy davidson who went to washita where yeah. i went um, who's also with a major publisher out of New York. And so the, the three, those three guys are guys that like, I have their cell numbers, I can call them, I can ask them that are already in the game. And a lot of our writers will ask me like, well, you know, like, how did I, you know, get in contact? Mm -hmm. And it's easy. Like the first thing, and this is where the secret comes in, is read a book they've written. Like read it from mm -hmm. front to back mm -hmm. with a pen, make note of like the stuff you like, some really cool, and then write them a fan letter. And say, like, I love this book because, and not because you're just trying to get something out of it, but you're looking right. for people that you really are fans of. Right. Um, and when you do that, like, every time I've ever done it, they write back, you know, and it kind of opens up this correspondence. And so over years, you know, before you're ever asking for, because when you do go and you time to find an agent or a publisher or that stuff, 
those guys have so much more um, contacts and it does oh, yeah. matter, you know, like if they have an agent already and they have a publisher and if they, like two of those guys, Ace and, and William Boyle, read the book that I have the big thing coming from in December and they gave me a blurb early, early on, you know, before mm. I ever had a thing. So they were willing to endorse that exactly. book you yeah. know, to, yeah. to get it going. That's big. So that's a huge kind of just like pro tip there is befriend other authors and do it in a yeah. genuine, authentic yeah. way. Because that's, that's what I was going to ask you was, um, what if you don't know these people yeah. like that? How do you get there? So that's great yeah, advice. I didn't know anybody. I didn't go to an MFA program, which mm-hmm. an MFA is like a master's of fine arts in creative writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just a football coach, you know, and then I got out. But I do read. I read about 35 to 40 books a year. So um, I, I took that, you know, and found the ones that I, I thought were similar to me, you know, authors that had similar tastes and were writing similar stuff. And then just reached out to him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. The best thing about a fame of advice. an author is like, I guarantee you, there's probably like, like John Grisham and Stephen King. You know, are probably like the two most recognizable authors. And there's a chance like they could walk through downtown Russellville, and even those two guys, like, yeah. how many people would actually know exactly. that's what John Grisham or Stephen King look like? Exactly. Like, we probably yeah. would. Yeah. But I yeah. bet that, and then beyond that, like, pull it back. If Ace Atkins, the New York Times bestseller, is walking down the yeah. street. Nobody in town's gonna know what he's right. thinking. You know, so ah, they love the written letters. word. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, uh, you know, you've, you've kind of talked about, uh, I know that you started with more adult novels. And um, I remember you saying, I will not self-publish. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to remind you. Oh, and they were delicious. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and you did that. Uh, and and then, can you, can you tell a little bit about how brains... Yeah. where it began yeah so i was writing in the dark for those five years really for about four about four years so i was writing in the dark and nothing was happening with my adult stuff i had an agent for a little while i'd been close and i was just nothing was going to happen that i could foresee barbara mcshane the principal at uh, sequoia elementary calls me and she wants me to come give a reading to the third and fourth graders because the boys we're not scoring well on literacy scores. And so she wanted a male who was, Ooh, yeah. arm, you know, excited about reading and writing. And I said, and Miss McShane was my fifth grade GT teacher. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah. hey, Miss McShane, I'd love to, but I don't have anything that I can read to third and fourth graders. Like, <laughs> you don't want me to come in there and read my fiction to third and fourth graders. Yeah. So she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm sure you can come up with something. You know, and she's like, all right, see, and we had and like, it begins. Yeah, yeah, we had like two months. So from there, I went and thought about what scared me the most. I mean, my daughter's about to be four. I thought about what was scaring me with kids. And, and I teach. And so every kid has a computer and a laptop. And I've been in this strange, like, window of time where when I first got into teaching, there were no like devices. And then it all switched, you know, to where there were devices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I saw how that changed kids and their education. And so anyway, and my mom like hates cell phones and she calls them the ruination and all this stuff. (laughs) So that's where the idea came from. And I wrote the first like 500 words of brains for Miss McShane and that deal. I went in there and it was a cafeteria full of like 200 kids and I read it, and they were all just like, ah! you know, like it was like a rock show. Yeah. Um, 
compared to as I you know had done stuff with the adult books and given readings you know different places you know there's like 10 people sitting out there with their mouth hanging open you know and, and then it's all <laughs> over and they're just kind of like okay yay. you know yay, <laughs> so I really did think like man this is a way to do something and do it um, that can make a difference you know that could really get kids reading mm-hmm. so Absolutely. I wrote the book I went the whole process trying to go through the traditional publishing houses in New York it had some nibbles it had some stuff but then this whole thing hit with COVID and I just looked at it as like this really like strange moment in time where kids were being forced to be virtual students and the whole book's about you know screens in a school where books are outlawed and zombie teachers are using screens to fry these kids brains and I thought like if I don't put this book out now like mm-hmm. and so it was it was really just a matter of options I, it was the only option mm-hmm. I had so teamed up with Daniel Freeman another uh, Russellville guy local Absolutely. artist and great artist here in town and um over just this past summer, I mean, we did all these like 50 illustrations that he did, the cover, uh, and I had the book already done, you know, and then we released it in September. And it's been, I I really think for kids books, and, and I don't think this is the normal thought here, but like self-publishing was so perfect for that mm-hmm. because I already had like a plug into so many of the schools, like not just yeah. this, this area, but even beyond that, um, all I needed was the book, you know, and so it was like, you know, and that's that's the benefit. If you get a New York City publisher, they're going to push the book out all across the country. Mm-hmm. If you self-publish your book and go, it goes up on Amazon, which is huge, and anybody could get it or whatever, they can exactly. have access to it there. But there's no way for you to get it out. So that's when you guys came into the picture and we were able to then pump the books out to the school. I mean, right now. Um, I think the book's got like over 55 star reviews in like two months, you know, and and the cells are are, are doing great. So (laughs) it's, it's been cool uh, to do it, to maybe get to see and do it both ways. Um, When, um, when you started making money on your books, um, what was the best money you ever spent as a writer? (laughs) Uh, I have a MacBook Pro, and that is definitely the best money. And I had one from when I was in college uh, that I just got rid of uh, about a year ago. So it was like a 10-year-old MacBook, and it was, you know, like three inches (laughs) thick. And I was just, it would do these weird things. And it was like, I had to hold my mouth right to like make sure. Oh, I have one of those. Yeah, and then a couple of times, you know, like it did the weird like pinwheel thing and the screen went black and I thought everything is about to be gone. And so I just broke down. scary. Yeah, and bought a brand new one like a year ago. And those to me, I really think it's kind of a weird, like with artistic types, you know, the Macs are really, Mm -hmm. uh, really Mm -hmm. big. And you, you know, you, you invest in what uh, you feel like is going to promote what you're doing. Yeah. You know, not yeah. everything is for everybody. Yeah. So, well, that's good to know. Um, so I know you've written quite a bit. How many unpublished or half-finished yeah. books would you say you have? Yeah, let's say completely <laughs> finished manuscripts that are not published right now. There are nine. Ooh, okay. Nine. Yeah. How so, many unfinished ones? Do you oh, have others there's, started? Yeah, there's some that are like half way done stuff probably another five or six okay sometimes the flame just yeah so i mean is that what happens you just kind of lose inspiration or interest in what you're writing about so there's two schools of thought when writing a novel like you can either be and they call you have names for them plotters or pantsers 
And a plotter is somebody who sits out and like plots out every chapter of the book previous to ever writing it. A pantser is somebody who gets an idea, then sits down and says, I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to run through this and go. <laughs> For the longest time, I was a pantser. Uh, and so I would take an idea that I thought was interesting and I would just try and hold on to keep, keep the fire going, you know, and just keep going. I thought it, Stephen King is a pantser. John Grisham mm-hmm. is a plotter, you know, oh. and, and so there's different ways and people have done it really successfully. Now I've kind of taken some sort. So, so the ones that never finished were in those early days where I would get like halfway through it and something would just be like, Oh. Like, you forget something, like, so simple, you know, that, like, you could have, you know, you probably could have foreseen if you were to put some time in <laughs> right, right. So now I do a little bit of both. You know, I, I kind of plot a little bit out and then go. I actually kind of do it as I write. So I'm always trying to stay ahead. Uh, but not, I feel like if you, I plotted Brains. Brains was a perfect book to plot because it's just chapter by chapter, cliffhanger, you know, pure commercial, like, mm-hmm. twist and turns and this. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the more adult stuff, I feel like you can kind of get more more closer to authenticity, uh, closer mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're going for something that's not just explosions and, you know, romance or something like that, then you can, you can make it seem a little more real. Um, you, um, you kind of talked about this a little bit when you were talking about, uh, guys, you have guys who are good mentors and everything, but that you found that a female opinion is important. Uh, do you, have you found it difficult to write from a female perspective? Um, or a male, you know, whichever one is one harder than the other? I don't know. I, um, I would say yes. I mean, like, just straight off the bat, like, when you very first start writing, so, like, it's always so personal at the beginning. Like, it's almost like, you know, when I was talking about Bradbury and his 10 million words, like, the first 5 million are just, like, all your inner stuff. It's, like, all, like, memoir, you know? Like, it all just, just kind of is like this. So, initially, you know, I think it really was. And a lot of that comes from me. I had this agent who didn't work out, um... But one thing that he was really hung up on was women readership. And he would just preach to me about, like, the fact that 80% of all novels are, are read by women. You know, that men don't read novels anymore. They just read nonfiction or biography mm-hmm. or war books. And I don't know how true that is, but he, he had some numbers on it. And so I, I did. I, I kind of just took a step back because at this point, I guess I was just kind of blissfully ignorant, you know, like innocently ignorant. Like I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of gender or anything. I just looked around and the guys that were, the people that were reading my stuff were guys, you know, mm-hmm. and my wife mm-hmm. or my mom. So I really made a conscientious approach to, to try and go. And then when I had a daughter uh, and when my wife, you know, gave birth a couple of, those are huge moments that have like everything I've looked back on, especially now like I'm looking at it, it's all just like embedded with these 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 things about parenthood or motherhood or young children, mm-hmm. I mean, every one of my mm-hmm. characters. You know. So I think it just kind of naturally, as I went from just this young man who didn't have, you know, all that stuff in his life, you know, it, was, it changed. So uh, when you wrote Brains, how'd you come up with character names? Yeah, that's a good one. Dash Story. So <laughs> Dash Story is a name that, so Dashiell Hammett. Mm-hmm. What was he, crime? Like, what did Dashiell Hammett I think he's like, like, wasn't he like a, a, like, um, a fiction, you know, like the, the dark, the yeah. black, uh, you know, fiction kind of um, 
I think of it as 40s crime yeah, detective. Yeah, yeah, like that old, like, that's like what I Humphrey thought. Bogart. <laughs> yeah, well, and I knew of Dashiell Hammett as an author. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, uh, I cut it to Dash, and then, start, you know, it was, what is that called? But it's like, his name is actually, like, what he's doing. Dash story, <laughs> you know, I don't know what that's called. But he's the one supposedly writing the story. He's the narrator. So I thought that was perfect. Izzy Hendrix, um... I wanted it to be, you know, because, you know, spoiler alert, but, you know, Izzy is possibly this figment of Dash's imagination, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Dash's mom loves Jimi Hendrix. So I was always yeah. back on this, that, like, he might could have gotten that from, like, his mom rocking out in the mm-hmm. mystery machine to Jimi Hendrix. So Izzy Hendrix was that. A lot of the times I will, like, Google. You know, I mean, Google's a huge tool. I will just Google. If, and if it's in a time frame, especially for that book, um, for the kids where like kids were going to have to be like eight to 12 years old. And I said, like, what was the most popular name in 2010? Yeah. You know, so that, like, <laughs> yeah. kids yeah. were reading this book now, like these names would be relevant to them. So that's a tool. But yeah, so there's a bunch of different, like Google and trying to make them fit to the character. And some of them are real people. Um, yeah. Some of them are real people or, you know, names that you come across. And some of them are just straight real people there's a book that's not out right now um that i'm working on and there's a character a kind of a bully like character and his name is brock boozer oh wow i have a visual in my mind brock i know what he looks boozer. like <laughs> and it's b-o-o-z-e-r and i went to school i graduated russellville high school with a brock boozer so brock if you're out there i'm using your name man i'm, I'm going with it okay I hope you don't mind, brock watch boozer. for those royalties rolling in okay um so uh does you, i know that you you don't write full-time right now you do something else yep. um and uh how does your family view your career choices right now are they supportive of you going trying to move to writing full time? Yeah, so that's a great question. I teach I teach at Alternative Learning School here in Russellville, ninth through twelfth grade English. I also do the JAG Jobs for American Graduates, and then I have two kids. Um, and so balancing all that is strange. And the the person that gets all the credit here is my wife, mm. um, Mallory, because. Yes. It's not easy, but I lucked out and I, and I, this was so funny because this is personal, but it's great for this because when, when Mallory and I first got married, I was like that little puppy, you know, that was like always like nipping at her ankles. Like, let's do stuff together. Like, let's always do stuff together. Like, let's do stuff together. Let's do it. Like, even if it was like, we're going to work out, you know, like we're going to go jog together. And she was like, she has a much more like independent personality than yeah. I do yeah. or she did when we first got married. So it was really funny because, and so when I was a football coach and I was gone and all those practices and mm-hmm. all those games and all that stuff, she was completely cool with it. You know, like right. she yeah. wouldn't have been near as cool with it when we had kids. So we never had kids. And I was a coach mm-hmm. at point because we do like split that stuff right down the middle. Yeah. But when I, when I got home, I was home a whole lot more than she was used to me being home. And so it really ended up working out because now like if a kid's puking or there's poopy diaper or something, you know, like I'm just in my office, you know, yeah. which she kind of likes that. Like I yeah, can close yeah. the door, you know. And Absolutely. I, and then once the kids go down, like couples, like that other night I was telling you about, I had, I was like not going to do anything. And I was like, you want to watch a movie or something? And she was like, no, you know, like, like, 
<laughs> this is my time, you know, these are my two hours to do something. So yeah. so she has made a ton of of sacrifice and there's no joke about that. But it does kinda work. Mm-hmm. And no, my, my family, my mom was really weird when I got out of coaching. Just because it was like she was so used to like cheering for me, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, like as soon as she realized she could still like cheer for me, <laughs> yeah. you know, as like an author, <laughs> right. I, I don't think it was any problem. And no, they're they're so great. Um, it's been such a cool thing. Pe- not everybody like friends and or like former teammates or coaches. You know, people that were really close to me for a long time. Mm-hmm. When I, it was such a drastic thing to like go from that to being an author. Like you know, these are guys yeah. who probably haven't read a novel. Like maybe you've read five novels like in their life or yeah, less, yeah, you know. So yeah. when they ask me like, "What are you doing?" you know, or "What, yeah. what is it?" But yeah, in the full time deal, um, I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm able to be really productive, but I mean, it would all depend on finances, I guess, you know. Because yeah, but, but I do that. Is, my goal is to to make a living from from writing, and that would be my goal to make a you know like a career out of it. Well, we believe in you yeah, completely. Yes, that. we are big fans, and uh, we could go on and chat for so long, but uh, let's wrap it up. And I just want to thank you so much for being my first guest, mm. and I think you've given us a lot of uh, interesting information, and we've learned a lot. And so, um, everybody, uh, thanks to Eli Craner, and thanks to you for listening, and that is our first episode of Right Here, Right Now.